0: sister was murdered in a jail cell and everyone from the start to the finish allowed it. Auntie Donna finally able to proclaim a small victory for the daughter she loves and knows as Pockham. It's time to save our daughters. It's time to change the law. It's Pockham's law. Time for Pockham's law. Coroner Simon McGregor calling Victoria's bail system a complete, unmitigated disaster. I recommend the urgent review of the Bail
1: Act with a view to repeal any provision having a disproportionate adverse effect on Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people.
0: It was that system that landed Veronica behind bars at the end of 2019, after she was arrested for shoplifting. The Attorney-General today indicating the government will consider recommendations. How brief is raw as the day she passed away. But Veronica's death at the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre days after her arrest was preventable. The Yorta Yorta woman weighed just 33 kilos. She was withdrawing from heroin and had an undiagnosed illness. Coroner McGregor finding she should have been hospitalised. Made to lay in her own vomit for more than 30 hours. A nurse watched a movie while Veronica begged a prison officer for mercy.
1: No, the it's not an emergency. Please stop
0: asking. It could lead to criminal charges for correct care, the private body that runs the prison's health system. I must
2: therefore notify the Director of Public Prosecutions of the same.
0: Since Veronica's death, another Aboriginal woman has passed away at the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre. They are just two of the more than 500 Indigenous deaths in custody since the Royal Commission more than 30 years ago. Today, Veronica's family and the coroner say those recommendations must still be implemented. I don't want this happening to my kids or my grandkids. The coroner ending this chapter of Victoria's story with her own words. It's time for me to go
1: home where I belong there are some people in my life who make you strong.
0: Penelope Liush Nine News.
2: Good evening. And welcome to episode 0000191 of The Mission. You just heard a Channel Nine news report on the findings of a coronial inquest into the death in custody of Veronica Nelson, who passed away in 2020 as a result of willful neglect, it would seem, uh, I'll be speaking to the CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service uh, this evening about the findings of that inquest and what can be done and what needs to be done and what must be done to prevent our people continuing to die in custody. Uh, my name is Daniel James, I'm going to be your host for the next uh, hour, this is a show called The Mission. Thank you to uh, Sam for our uh, double bouts uh, he's been doing a great job over summer, it'd uh, be great to have Warney back next week, but uh, Sam is an excellent, excellent broadcaster, so it's been great to listen to him over the past few weeks. And I am broadcasting indeed from 3 AAA World Headquarters at the end of the ninety-six line, which is of course on the Kulin Nations, of the uh, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and I pay my respects to their Elders of past and present. And to any mob that might be listening tonight, either here in what is now known as Victoria or across Uh, Australia. Uh, Also, thank you very much to Rachel O'Connor and Bumpy over the past uh, five or six weeks for filling in on the mission. They've been doing a fantastic job. Uh, I listened to a bit uh, this afternoon and there's just so much talent in the pipeline coming in through this place and through every other pipeline across the country. Um, It's just great to know there's so much great First Nations talent out there and I thank them both. Now, like I said... I'll be speaking to the CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service shortly about the outcomes of the Veronica Nelson inquest. But of course, there's been a, a few things happening in my, uh, in my absence on air, um, things that um, will pretty much shape the country one way or the other, and that's all happening in the next uh, 12 months. I think I want to start with just mentioning Invasion Day and... Of course, it's a very taxing time for for, for mob everywhere. But I guess this year, more than any other year, I've got a stronger sense that the, the notion of Australia Day, as it has been traditionally presented since 1994, I think the back of that is now broken. I think the country is at a point where it is beginning to reckon with that particular day and the hurt that it inflicts on the First Australians, the First Nations people of this country right across this continent. We didn't see any Australia Day celebrations in Melbourne, we didn't see any in Sydney. Um, It is a recognition of the tireless work that the old people did way back as far as 1938 with the first day of mourning through to the thousands and millions of people over the years that have actually hit the streets of our major capital cities to show solidarity with First Nations people. uh, the, the, the predicament we are in now is a result of what happened that day in 1788. And I think we've broken its back. I don't think we're going to see Australia Day, as it is so called, the same way again. And hopefully with that, January for, for mob everywhere, and I guess I guess non-mob as well, becomes a far less taxing time because it is actually a very, 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 very crap time of year for mobbers. We find ourselves in the midst of these tiresome culture wars that we find ourselves often collateral in. Uh, during that same period in the lead up to the invasion day and beyond and probably through the, for the rest of the year we are dealing with the debate around the voice. It is heating up We know that there may be a referendum on whether there should be a voice. The principal question about whether there should be a voice is up to legislators to actually legislate what that actually looks like. But the in-principle position is being put to the Australian people, should there be an Indigenous voice to Parliament? And that question might be asked as early as August or as late as October, but it is coming. And my fervent hope is that during that period, the lead up to it, that the lateral violence that happens within the Indigenous community is kept to a bare minimum. It's OK for us to disagree on how we get to things like treaty. It's, it's OK for us to disagree on the process that was arrived to to get to the Uluru Statement. But what is not cool is taking it out on each other. Let's keep the conversations at an intellectual way. There's a lot of emotion involved in all this. But personal sniping and character assassination has no place in the lead-up. We don't want to finish the job that the colonial system has done. We don't want to do that on ourselves. So that's the waters that this show is going to be trying to navigate in the uh, in the year ahead. And, of course, it's also a big year for a treaty here in Victoria. We have the First People's Assembly um, elections coming up in March, in which a new assembly Will be elected, and that assembly has a massive task in actually, pretty much bringing the process of treaty home for the various mobs that they represent across the state. So there's going to be a lot happening this year. Again, it's going to be um, a very taxing year. We had two elections last year, which were taxing enough, and the vitriol and the dialogue and the commentary around all that was, you know, at the best of times very, very grating. Now, as First Nations people, we find ourselves front and centre in a national debate that will determine the shape of this country one way or the other. As a juiced-up podcaster, infamous podcaster, often says, if you don't know where you stand on this, do your own research. Now, I hate to use that term, but... It's something that you can fulfil yourself in. Work out whether you want a voice or whether you want a path to treaty first. They seem to be the two major things on the, on the table. And it's up to each one of us to inform ourselves. And hopefully listening to this show is one way you can do that for yourselves. But this is the mission for 2023. It's good to be back. And it's time for tonight's first and our only guest because we have a lot to get through. Yesterday it was probably impossible for any of us to... To miss the reportage of the coronial findings into the death in custody of Gunni Jamara, Jaja Warung, Waradjri, and Yorta Yorta woman Veronica Nelson, uh, it prompted uh, Nick McKenzie, the Age journalist, who uh, has seen a thing or two in his time, to tweet yesterday: "In 20 years of reporting, including sitting through the Robert Smith case, the Victorian coroner's findings about Veronica Nelson's preventable death is the most gut-wrenching." An electrifying delivery of justice from a judge i've ever witnessed what a powerful call for change and anyone that was able to familiar, familiarize themselves with the coroner's findings yesterday uh, would have to think the same thing so on the line now is someone who's played a pivotal role and her organisation has played a pivotal role in these hearings. Uh, Once again, we are joined by Yorta Yorta woman and CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, Narita Waite. Uh, Narita, welcome back to the mission once again.
1: Thanks Daniel.
2: Um, Yesterday was a very, very moving and powerful day for a lot of mob everywhere. I can't imagine what it was like for the the family. Just briefly, in summary, what did Coroner Simon McGregor find in relation to the death of Veronica Nelson and the hours beforehand between the 30th of December and the 2nd of January 2020?
1: Mm. Um, First of all, I just wanted to reflect on what um, Nick's observations, Um, you know, everybody um, endured with the coroner um, as he detailed his findings and recommendations. Um, Everybody cried with the coroner um, as he read Veronica's uh, letter to her mother um, and as he closed off um, the inquest. And um, all of those community members and family members who came out to support um, the family's quest for justice Veronica um, stood up at the end um, and clapped the coroner um, for giving us this pivotal moment of true justice um, and Forcing accountability um, and being really clear um, around the discriminatory effects that many of the laws um, and stigmas that exist in society have on Aboriginal people. In terms of what the coroner found, it was really clear that Veronica's death was a preventable one. Um, that at the time um, that she was received at Dame Phillips Frost Centre, she should have been transferred to hospital. And each and every system and person who came in contact with her failed.
2: And it seems that...
1: And unfortunately that led to her death,
2: of course. It seems that every... um, Not only every system and and contact that, that, you know, she came in contact with failed her, but it seemed to fail her every step of the way as well. It's like when you when when you read when you read there's
1: no positive
2: here. Yeah, when you read the um, the coroner's findings, and you know, I encourage you to go and do that. Just Google it. um, 366 pages worth. It's clear that every step of the process, from when she was picked up by an off-duty police person, who must like you know arresting blackfellas in their spare time, to the point where she had called out 49 times for medical assistance everything in between that and her tragic death, she was failed almost every step of the way.
1: She was, and she was also treated um, in what the coroners amounted to in a cruel, inhumane um, and degrading way um, in breach of Section 10 of the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities. Um, Also, Veronica, not once, through any steps of those processes, um, came in contact with an Aboriginal person or had any measure of cultural safety. Veronica was ignored forty-nine times. Um, her calls were dismissed. Um, she was lied to on a number of occasions, um, and she was not provided with the care that she needed. that A blind person could have seen she needed.
2: Well, she, she, you know, she vomited, um, you know, on several occasions, and, and she was told just to leave it there, and they'd get to it in the morning um this is this is behavior and treatment that you wouldn't treat uh, a a pet or an animal with it's it's a level of degradation that has been writ large uh, over the last you know several months and during um the reportage which it's 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 galling in a way but it's also very gratifying to see the level of uh media coverage the, the coroner's report has has received. Have you have you sensed a change in the way that the mainstream media is beginning to to pick up on some of these issues?
1: Mm. I think that they they recognise that In Veronica was somebody who was deprived of their, her liberty. She was de- deprived of the ability and resources to help herself, um, and the state's control over her was basically complete. And yet. All she faced was discrimination, stigmatization, um, a lack of health care, um, which unfortunately resulted in her death. And, you know, even after that, Daniel, um, they didn't, none of the people involved in this matter had the decency to provide the truth to internal review processes that, process that they disputed too. And Veronica's mother didn't go to an inquest and this story would never have been told, all because they operate under a don't ask, don't tell policy. And certainly, um, you know, the coroner told a lot yesterday, um, just like, you know, our communities have been doing for generations
2: It's another coroner's report that seems to get what has been happening to us for such a prolonged period? I also think of the coronial inquest into our, um, Auntie Tanya Day's uh, yeah. tragic death as well, in which was another case where there were so many decisions and almost every step of the way she was treated during that during that time and um, her final hours was also a series of racist judgments um, made almost every step of the way by individuals and by the system it, itself. Um, I sense reader that uh, with this coronial inquest, there is a political will to do something about its findings, and particularly the the, the recommendation around uh, legislative amendments to to the bail bail act. do you have any sort of sense of optimism around political will to do something about this now? Um, I was really heartened
1: to see um, the opposition yes um talk about the need um, to engage in bail reform. And I felt that actually they went a step further um, than the government um, and Premier Andrews' statements. Um, Premier Andrews seems to be limiting bail reform to certain circumstances Mm -hmm. um, rather than um, following the recommendations of experts and academics. Um, Again for years, these changes came in 2017-18 the government was warned well before they came into effect what um, it would look like and the cohort that it would most disproportionately affect. All of those things came true. The coroner clearly um, stated that the government's view that these
2: laws um, haven't had discriminatory impact on Aboriginal people and haven't resulted in increases to the prison population is blatantly untrue. Yeah, I'll, um, just, I'll just read from what the, the coroner said in relation to, to, yeah, to bail laws. Do. He said, by, and we're talking about things like unacceptable risk, needs and risk here, OK? So by categorising the unacceptable risk in these broad ways, needs have become equated with risk, with discriminatory effects for people already experiencing social disadvantage... If an accused is homeless, suffering from mental illness or drug or alcohol dependence or a combination of similar factors, that will present to the court as an increased risk of failing to appear and of committing further offences. They are more likely, therefore, to be refused bail, notwithstanding that they may not present with the kind of alleged offending of greatest concern to the community. Now, within 12 months of those new bail laws being introduced, Narita, we saw a doubling of the amount of Aboriginal women in prison. That's at the heart of what we're talking about when it comes to bail reform, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, and even right now, uh, Daniel, there's 36.5 Aboriginal people arrested each day. They're in the same situation as Veronica, having to face that punitive bail system. Um, the current recommendations um, on bail um, are, of course, um, really powerful and um, really useful um, in terms of the urgent review um, as well as his attention to um, Section 4AA2C, Schedules 2, Clause 1, and Schedule 2, Course 30, as well as Section 30A and B. Um, the only thing that we would say um, is that the government must also um, look at Section 4A, which is exceptional section of circumstances, um, and Section 4C, compelling reasons.
2: I think um, with, the, like you said, the uh, the opposition now coming out and taking this sort of like one step further, I think um, that's kind of like a refreshing sort of consensus that will sort of hopefully push Even the outside. government, yeah, after years of uh, African gangs and, uh, you know, war on crime type uh, jargon that's come out from uh, the opposition and, and various other sectors of the uh, punditry. Um Hopefully, we can sort of keep the pressure on the government here to to get those um, reforms There's, There was also like um, going back to the steps in the process and, and which ended up where you know Veronica tragically lost her life when she was uh, taken or given legal advice before before, before appearing before um, a magistrate. The legal advice that was given to her and the consultation lasted six minutes because the lawyer involved thought that it was sort of a fait complaint that she would be refused bail and therefore that she should represent herself. In good practice, how long should a, um, uh, a legal advisor sit with a client before such a hearing? Um, um, the, the, the coroner made it very clear that six minutes was extremely inadequate.
1: I can guarantee you six minutes is inadequate. I mean, in terms of duration, it depends on the client's circumstances um, and vulnerability, um, but also um, the time that it might take to have them open up and disclose that information. So some clients might take a bit longer to open up versus others. Um, So it's not like you can say, you know, assign 40 minutes to it and say, that's all it'll take. Sometimes it could take up to an hour, Um, sometimes more. It just really is dependent um, on client responses. Um, I think it's also important to remember, um, and this was observed in the inquest, that um, Aboriginal Aboriginal people can be uh, very differential because they fear authority and and lawyers certainly present as a form of authority. Um, And that's something that you need to be careful of. Um, You don't. You don't really want clients giving no and yes answers. You won't be understanding um, where they're coming from, what their story is, what supports they have in place, um, and all the elements that you need um, to make a strong bail application.
2: It's 27 past seven. You're listening to the mission on 102.73 RRRFM. Uh, I'm speaking with uh, CEO of the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, Narita Waite, about the inquest into Veronica Nelson's death in custody. Um, Vals itself was um, there representing um, Uncle Percy, um, that's correct isn't it?
1: Yes, that's correct and Robinson and Gil um, represented Annie Donna which is uh, uh-huh. Veronica's mum. Yep. Um, you know just uh, want to quickly say that um, you know just like in Tanya Daddy's matter it's really the family Daniel that drives the change um, it's their passion, um, it's their quest for justice, it's their doggedness um, and their pursuit for the truth that really ensures that these inquests have um, all the evidence before them, um, the coroner is a prize everything, and that appropriate findings and recommendations can be made. Um, without them, these outcomes are not possible.
2: It is absolutely um, an absolute fact, and the, the strength and resilience that we keep seeing from families placed in these um, uh, extraordinary predicaments is is amazing. And I also wanted to give um, a shout out to the uh, Yorta Yorta Aboriginal um, Nation Council, who I know bust a whole bunch of uh, Veronica's family down to Melbourne for... The, the reading of the findings, but also took her to took them to Veronica's graveside at uh, Cameragunja before coming down to hear what the coroner had to say. It's just a classic example of how, in the best of times and the worst of times, mob can stick together, and I think little notions like that, which are not little, I just want to um, acknowledge how powerful those sorts of things are and making sure that we stick together as, as a mob and get through these things because it's um, inspirational for the rest of us and I, I just imagine it will be tremendously empowering for for the family. Um, you were there um, a lot of the time, uh, Narita. How, how I guess, gut-wrenching was some of the evidence that was presented? I mean, I I'll, I'll fully admit I watched the 7.30 report last night and uh, which did an extraordinarily good job of surmising what Veronica went through. And I actually um, readily admit that I spent most of the night weeping as a result of that. How did you and your staff um, hold up? And um, it's just another example of how amazing the the family is to to be able to go through this. But how did you find it? Mm, Yeah,
1: I mean, certainly um, Uncle Percy was at court each and every day. Um, and heard all of that evidence um, and, um, you know, represented by um, our lawyer here, Sarah Swartz, um, who's just amazing um, and really um, ensured that the family, uh, Uncle Percy was supported, had everything in place, um, but also that we were looking after our own trauma. We are lucky um, that at the time we had some um, in-house counselling support um, that our staff can access who were involved in the matter and that we encourage them to take the appropriate steps um, to take care of their well-being. Um, for me, um, Daniel, I, I found myself um, going home um, a lot. Um, yeah. So I would I'd go up and visit my mum, um, who's at um, Shet Cemetery, just to have that time, um, because my mum was amazing. She's a beautiful um,
2: woman, and
1: yep. Yes, yes, she was, and um, that's where my strength and resilience comes from. And touching base with that um, was what has kept me through it. But um, I must say, you know, even going through all the evidence um, yesterday, I still cried along with the coroner as well um, as that letter was written. Um, and then I have my own moments after the findings because, you know, there are still women after Ronnie who died in that facility, um, you know, Heather Cal Garrett. Um, there was also um, another three women and a baby um, who lost their lives after Veronica Dainfield was frost. And all of these lessons could have been learnt a lot earlier and not come at the cost of Vonnegut's life. All of the things um, that were uh, brought into the light yesterday were things, Daniel, that we as an organisation have been raising since I can remember. Um, and certainly um, I've been elevating since I've been in this seat um, for what feels like a lifetime, but it's only five, oh, no, yeah, four and a half years. Is
2: that all? It um, seems like you've been there a lifetime.
1: <laughs> it feels like it. Um, here we we live several lifetimes. Yes. but um, <laughs> To me, that's what the hardest bit is. Um, Daniel, it always makes me turn to um, this song um, from Briggsy and Troy Castelli called Shadows. Um often, you know, all we are trying to do as an organisation is make sure that we're not adding shadows and we can bring them home by making the changes to the system that prevent this occurring again.
2: Part of the prison system's industrial complex is its healthcare provider. And the healthcare mm. provider in this case, Correct Care, has been referred to the Department of Public Prosecutions for their role in uh, Veronica's death Can you tell us a little bit about why the coroner has referred them in particular to the TPP?
1: Mm. Um, So the coroner's findings go into detail about um, the failings of Correct Care Australasia staff um, and Correct Care Australasia owes obligations to those that it's supposed to provide health care to. Um, and particularly when we're looking at the upland safety um, provisions. So, um, just like um, in the Tanya Day matter, um, the coroner has made a referral to the OPP. It's important for everybody to know that this doesn't guarantee um, that correct carouselation will be prosecuted, we saw um, in Tanya Day, that the OPP declined to prosecute. um, And certainly, um, just... Uh, history and experiences um, lead you to be a bit sceptical as to whether or not um, that prosecution will go ahead.
2: Yeah, we've we've seen, I mean, in in the history, as far as we know, in the history of this continent, uh, now known as Australia, not one police officer has been convicted for the death of an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander person or one member of the justice system at all. So while that's fantastic news that the coroner has referred them to uh, the Department of Public Prosecutions, it's important to know, just as you said, Narita, that the track record on these things, of there being any sort of justice outcome in that regard, uh, well, history shows us that it's almost negligible, so we need to maintain our scepticism about whether anything will be done on that front.
1: Correct, and, you know, I think... um what was hard for me is that the women inside are the ones who are classed, you know, as the criminals. And as has been observed, um, you know, on um, public commentary on this matter, um, it was supposed to criminals who were trying to aid Veronica Nelson um, as she weigh dying, um, not the people charged with her care. Um, so really, um, as those um, have said in public commentary, it makes you question who the criminals are.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the one of the most harrowing aspects was hearing her call out to, to her to her daddy, to her father. In her, her darkest moments, she must have felt so alone and so powerless, and been in so much pain. I just don't understand. Where someone 's humanity goes when they hear or witness something like that and fail to act it 's something that we can 't is there something that is there something in the system itself that shapes people to react that way or not react that way
1: it 's just a void of humanity in um, any sense um, of, of compassion and I think it 's important to note that after uh, Veronica made. Um, those calls to her dad who um, had passed they heard a thud, Daniel and then they heard nothing and that prison officer could not could not take the short very short walk to Veronica and check to make sure that she was okay.
2: Were you surprised that there were more referrals made to is the DPP or OPP I think I heard you say OPP?
1: Yes, OPP.
2: Okay. Well, are, you, are you are you surprised that there weren't more for referrals to the OPP?
1: Um, we certainly were hoping for more. Um, and certainly um, in our submissions, we made that clear. Um, but just our history um, and experience in these banners um, suggested that we were unlikely to be
2: successful. Right. Is there any form of recourse post the inquest and the findings that can be taken by the family to gain more justice over the death of their daughter, their auntie, their sister?
1: Of course. Um, so, and I mean, this is widely reported, so yep. it's fine to mention it. Um, Veronica Nelson's family um, have um, issued pursuing um, justice against the state in the civil realm. Um, we understand um, that that is progressing. Um, certainly we're assisting um, Percy Lovett with for his matters from his end, and I understand Robinson and Gill are obviously assisting only Donna um, in her quest um, for justice on the civil end as well. Um, it would be callous um, of the Victorian government um, not to compassionately engage um, with the families in those matters, um, certainly because the findings are clear, the evidence is indisputable. They have blood on their hands as they have in many other matters and they need to take accountability.
2: just want to remind people, if you're finding this uh, conversation um, a little bit heavy and you want to talk to someone about it, there's always someone to talk to. And you can call 131114 14 Lifeline or you can talk to the uh, Yarning Safe and Strong Mob on one 595 212. 1800 595 212. There is always someone to talk to. Um, Narita, if the recommendations from the Royal Commission into Black Deaths and Custody were implemented in full, would Veronica Nelson still be alive today? Yes. And why is that?
1: Unequivocally. Yep. Uh, so, um I'm not sure how familiar um, listeners are with Ricky Dick, um, but the vast majority of matters that were looked at um, involved um, failures of healthcare um, in justice environments. Yeah. And obviously there was a large amount of recommendations pertaining to that. Um, there was also a large amount of matters that pertained to what was then considered um, a punitive bail system, although we have gone backwards since 30 years ago, um, so it feels um, perhaps optimistic for us to even call our, our system punitive at this point. Um, so those two barriers um, that led Veronica Nelson to be where she was um, wouldn't be in place had the 339 recommendations been implemented in full um, and in partnership with Aboriginal communities.
2: It's
0: also, uh, right uh, right. post-Ricky Dick, uh, there were a number
1: of and continue to be a number of Aboriginal deaths in custody that have resulted in coronal recommendations um, and many of those are outstanding as well as subsequent reviews um, into justice.
2: I think one thing that struck me looking at um, the, the recommendations and the findings from, from the inquest was how many of those pertain to uh, health um, and not just the, the justice system. For instance, uh, recommendation 31, um, the, the coroner said he recommended that Correct Care Australasia encourage and facilitate that doctors it employs to become members of the RACGP, the Royal Australian uh, College of General Practitioners, to enable them to access RACGPG, uh, training programs and identify alternative alcohol and other drugs training programs from the CEA medical practitioners and ensure medical practitioners employed or contracted by a CCA for a period of time more than six months have completed training, which is equivalent to the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners alcohol and other drugs GP education program. Um, it's just a, a sign, the root of how many systems one individual per, um, person interacts in times like these and how, is, how important it is that these systems are up to scratch when dealing with First Nations people.
1: Correct and it's important to note that the coroner also highlighted that when it comes to prison healthcare they need to have appropriate skills and expertise when it comes to alcohol um, and drug use um, and you know, obviously potential withdrawal um, and treatment options, and also ensure there's appropriate access to pharmacotherapy, which there wasn't um, in this state. There wasn't even a subacute unit, um, despite uh, the very clear evidence that, uh, you know, this cohort needed it. Um, you know, it, it's not like it's been any secret from the data or from inquiries um, that people interacting with the justice system are often um, suffering things such as mental health, disability, drug and alcohol, use, substance misuse, um, and they need appropriate support um, in terms of equivalent health care. And equivalent health care means that health care that you would get in the same circumstances when you are in the public, so one that meets your complexities, meets your circumstances and can ensure your safety and well-being.
2: Well, one of the things that I've noticed over the last uh, four or five years, uh, Narita, is how wonderful a job uh, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service has been doing in the advocacy space alone, particularly around uh, bail reforms and, and raise the age. There's actually a webinar, isn't there, that um, is available online now if people want to find out more about bail reform um, through a, um, a discussion that you had online um, uh, with, uh, as a part of VALS with um, people who are experts in this particular field and know what needs to be done.
1: Yes, um, and uh, we've also got our bail fact sheet, and I urge anybody who hasn't already to find um, our bail um, campaign. Um, you can access it quite easily on our website, um, but there's also helpful information there about other research and positions we've put across in relation to particularly drug decriminalisation um, because many of our community members are criminalised when it comes to possession of drug use, which is a petty offence. Um, and often obviously end up on remand in this position. And it's important to note that, you know, the decision by the government to provide p- public health care is only limited to dangerous Frost. Um, our MEN system um, are still only receiving um, health care via private bodies. And as we have seen um, in the and Nelson inquest, the current Justice Health and of Care frameworks are clearly deficient. Um, as well as the models and oversight. Um, so, you know, it's, it's not going to be unsurprising, I think, to many listeners later this year when inquests um, into the deaths of muscle um, suckling um, and, the, and the like are heard, um, that the same issues are raised there.
2: Yeah, there'll it'll be an extraordinary number of parallels, I'm, I'm assuming. And what it shows is that there is systemic failure failure in our justice system when it comes to dealing with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And the fact that it keeps happening is something that we as a broader community surely can't continue to to tolerate. And if you want to actually do something useful about this, support the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service in, in, in their work. And you do that by making a donation to the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service through their website to make sure that they have the resources and the staffing that they need to keep fighting the good fight, not only for mob, but for people at the run end of the justice arc everywhere. Um, Nareta, thank you so much for, for coming on the show and um, spending your time with us once again. Thank you for the work that you, you do, and I hope that um, you and your staff and everyone that you've been dealing with during this process get the uh, the care, love and attention that they need.
1: Thank you uh, for having me, Daniel, and um, really um, your care and consideration in uh, exploring
2: this matter with us today. Thanks, Narita. Well, it's come to the end of another episode of the Mission the First for 2023. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you very much to Narita Way for joining me for the majority of the hour. It's going to be a long year, but uh, we'll hopefully you and I get through it together. Uh, I'm going to go home and fashion a bath out of my shower and have a stiff gin and tonic. Uh, until next week, stay safe, stay strong and stay listening. ta da
0: so much more than I am worthy of I call her A little late She forgives me Her voice does not betray She spent another day Alone She softly thanks me For the rose And says I need you And then I can feel her smiling.